Can you convert your HSA or your health savings account to Roth and do the five-year Roth withdrawal clocks apply? A question I don't believe has ever been addressed today on Your Money, Your Wealth podcast number 429. Plus, what should you do with money you'd been putting to your student loan debt if you're part of the new student loan forgiveness program? What's the best way to invest your RMDs, your required minimum distributions? How does IRMA, or the income-related monthly adjustment amount for Medicare, apply to zero-coupon municipal bonds? And finally, strategies for collecting survivor Social Security benefits. If you've got money questions, visit yourmoneyyourwealth.com and click Ask Joe and Al on air to send them in. I'm producer Andy Last, and here are the hosts of Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA. Let's go to Philip, Big Al. Okay, sounds good, Joe. Hi, I really appreciate the info provided through your website. So he checks out the website. I retired and have a balance in my HSA. I've been doing Roth conversions since 2020. Is there a way to convert my HSA balance to my Roth IRA? What are the rules governing govern such a conversion? Uh, based on your explanation of the Roth conversion five-year rules, I understand that since my Roth IRA has been open and funded for five years, and I'm over 59 and a half, that I have full access to the Roth IRA balance, including conversions and earnings on those conversions, irrespective of any five-year rules. Is this correct? Thanks in advance. Well, there's a lot in yeah, there. A couple, couple points uh, to make here. You, you okay. want to start? Sure. You want to go over the five-year rule again? Oh, me? <laughs> no. I mean, should we start there? Oh, yeah, probably. <laughs> okay. So five-year clock. There's two five-year clocks. One is based on contributions and the other is based on earnings. So the five-year clock works like this on contributions is that you the, the money needs to season inside the Roth IRA for five years or until you turn 59 and a half, whichever is longer. So if you start a Roth IRA at age 60, you don't have any access to the earnings until 65. If you started a Roth IRA at age 40, you don't have access to any of the earnings until 59 and a half tax-free. So there's a five-year clock, but the five-year clock starts with the first dollar that hits the first Roth IRA. So most people basically get that rule. So the money has to season in a Roth IRA for five years or 59 and a half. It is a retirement plan, right? So for most people, they get that you have to wait until a certain age to have access to the funds without any type of penalties. So the five-year clock with the Roth is a little bit different because it's irrespective of the 59 and a half. It depends on when you started the overall Roth IRA. If you were over 59 and a half, that rule doesn't apply. It's going to be five years after you start the Roth. So like my example was, if you started at 60, you don't have access to the earnings until 65. Now that's contributions. So there's a (laughs) five-year clock when it comes to Roth IRA conversions. So a conversion is when you take money from an IRA and you convert it into a Roth IRA. You pay the tax on conversion, but then all of those dollars will grow 100% tax-free as long as you qualify as the distribution. And that qualification is going to be the five-year clock, 59 and a half, and everything else. But there is a five-year clock on each conversion that you do if you're under 59 and a half. Until you reach the age 59 and a half. And then the five-year clock will look at, well, do you have any other Roths that is older than five years? 
And then the conversion five-year clock basically goes away. Did I, I mean, I try to explain it a little bit different this time. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's good. Let me try to recap simply if I can. And that is if you're under 59 and a half, the rules are a lot more complicated. Let's just, let's just start there. Right. Correct. If, if you're under 59 and a half and you make a contribution, you have to wait five years or 59 and a half, whichever is longer to get your earnings, but you can always get your contribution. I knew back, you were going to go there. E even the next day. It more. No, no, I'm not, not at all. <laughs> and, and the, and then the five-year clock when you're under 59 and a half, when you're doing a Roth conversion, they want you to wait five years before it becomes like a contribution, if you will, to where you can get your money. But when you're over 59 and a half, it's much simpler, right? It's, it's only that one five-year clock. As long as you had a Roth for five years, and you're over 59 and a half, you have access to everything. Uh, your principal, your income, your growth. So I'll put it that way. All right. I like it. <laughs> um, I was going to go, well, you get access to your contributions and then it's like, I, I know. Well, that's that, so it, much. It gets it too complicated. so confusing then. I know. Yeah. So if you're listening to this, uh, get the podcast uh, transcript <laughs> and read it 25 <laughs> times. <laughs> <laughs> and then you'll probably be more confused than when you started. Yeah, I, I liked your uh, explanation a lot more than mine. I got to say, okay. that's the first time. <laughs> um, all right. I, I've heard you do it a hundred times, so I'm yes. getting it. Got it. All right. So now we got, the question is, he's been doing conversions. He's over 59 and a half. Yeah. And so he's like, okay. So he qualifies. He's over 59 and a half. I'm, I'm, he's been doing conversions since 2020. Hopefully he had a Roth IRA prior to that. So maybe he has a Roth IRA for over five years. So the five-year clock really doesn't apply to him is what my assumption is. Yeah. And he actually says that. I Roth opened IRA and funded for over five years. Correct. So, that's, okay. that's what I was looking for. Yep. All right. And then, so hopefully we answered those questions. Now he's going, I have an HSA, health savings account. Right. I convert that to my Roth. And the answer is no, but why would you want to? Yeah, you can't directly. I mean, I suppose you could convert it to an IRA. You're allowed to do that. And then you could do a Roth conversion from the IRA. But I don't see a reason to do that, to be honest, because if the money's in the HSA, it means you can use it for medical purposes through the rest of your life, even Medicare premiums, the rest of your life, and tax not pay any tax, tax free, tax free. It's like a Roth IRA. That's right. It's like, it. a, yeah, exactly. And you never had to pay tax on it. Now, if you do need the money for other purposes, you are allowed to withdraw it by the time you reach age 65 and you avoid that 20% penalty. You still have to pay income taxes on it, just like any IRA, right? But so that's available if you need it for something other than medical. But for most people, as they get older, Joe, the medical expenses go up. So I'm not sure why you'd want to do that. Right. So an HSA is like a Roth IRA. But you just have to use it for certain expenses. Yeah. And it's even better because you got a tax deduction putting the money in where you don't with a Roth. And so as long as you use it for medical expenses, it's triple tax free, as they say. So, but you could take the HSA as long as Philip is over age 65, he could roll that into an IRA. And then if he wanted to, then convert it into a Roth IRA, but he would pay the tax on the conversion. So if he keeps it in the HSA, he has access to those dollars tax-free as long as they're a qualified distribution. Yeah, that's what I would do. I wouldn't even think about it. But we, you know, we don't know completely about your situation, Philip, but I would be hard-pressed to figure out why someone would want to do that. Pete from Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Gentleman, 40 years old, married, 
three young kids drive a Toyota Sienna minivan. Favorite drink is a cheap lager. All right. I make $250,000 a year. I got my student loans forgiven under the Public Service Loan Forgiveness Program, working 10 years for a nonprofit healthcare system. Okay, cool. Had my finances set up previously to minimize what we'd have to pay towards my loans each month in the income-driven payments. Now we have no longer to worry about that. I'm wondering if I should switch to the Roth 403B going forward. All right. We have 230 in Roths, 400,000 in a traditional, 10,000 in an HSA, and 165,000 in my 457 plan. Four, five, six, seven, eight. So about 800,000. It's 40 years old. Yeah, Seven, let's right? see. Yeah, but yeah, we'll, we'll go with that. Okay. That's about right. But I don't really have a clear vision on how much money we need in retirement. So I'm having a hard time making projections. Well, Pete, what you need is how much money that you're spending, not necessarily how much money that you're making, because he makes $250 a year. He pays tax on that. Right. He's saving. I don't know how much he saves into his four or four oh three B and his four fifty seven. He's got money in both of them. So is he spending a hundred and fifty thousand and a hundred goes to taxes and savings? Or right. So I mean that, that's where I think he's having a tough time getting that vision because you need to figure out well, what do you need to spend in retirement? And then that, that can build up your savings plan, and then that will help determine, all right, well, how much money that you will need in retirement to provide the income that you need. And then that will help you with your tax strategy long-term as well. So, yeah. And that's hard. That's hard to do when you're 40 because it's hard to even think about retirement, but I think it's not that hard to think about retirement. (laughs) Can you say that? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But here's what I was going to say. At least start with what you're, what you're spending right now, and then just project that forward with inflation rates of whatever you choose 3% or whatever you want to choose. Uh, that's that's probably what I would do. Let's see. I also would like to hear what you think about non-governmental 457 plans. I've been maxing mine out for years to minimize my income. All right. So he's maxing out the 457. Right. But the risk of losing it if my employer goes bankrupt is a little troubling to me. I work for a large national health care system, and they seem to be okay financially. I'd hate to leave a tax advantage bucket unfilled. But I also hate to lose all that money. I also have a related question. If things start to seem dire financially for my employer, could I just immediately quit and take my 457 money out immediately? Obviously, it'd be a tax hit, but it's preferable to losing it. Do you guys have any experience in this arena? Thanks for all you do, Pete. Pete must be a doc. Yeah, I think he is too. So a, a, a non-governmental 457 plan needs to be a nonprofit, and a lot of the uh, a lot of hospitals are nonprofit. So that's what I'm guessing too. He's probably a doc because usually, usually those kinds of plans are for highly compensated people. Yeah. Well, you get school teachers have 457 plans and 401k or 403bs. He works in a hospital 403b 457. Got his student loans forgiven because he worked in a nonprofit healthcare system for 10 years, kind of grinded sure. out there, took a big pay cut to grind away and and then worked it out where, hey, he doesn't have to pay his student loans. So good for him. But he, he wants to go part-time in five-ish years. It's 45. Yeah. Right. Yep. I got a two-year plan now. 
I'm going to be 50 here. In a you should have, you should have gone halftime a couple of three years ago. I know when I was 45. <laughs> um, well, I think uh, maybe uh, 450 non-governmental 457. I plan. wouldn't worry too much about it, to be honest, but let's just say something blows up. Yeah. I don't know what the rules are to his specific 457 plan, but let's say he quits. Hopefully they don't lock up the plan where he could roll that money into an IRA right away. He wouldn't have to cash it out. When he retires, he could roll that into an IRA and not necessarily have to pay any tax. So uh, I don't think so. I think most of those are non-qualified. You could roll a 457 plan into an IRA. I don't think a non-governmental. I think it's more like a deferred comp plan. What depends on, not, I don't not, know. I don't know what the plan doc is. Well, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, that I mean, what what I guess what I've seen on those is either five or ten year payout. You can't just get a lump sum necessarily. And he does give a true statement, which is it's kind of like a retirement plan. And I'm talking non governmental, non qualified deferred comp plan. So if it's something other than that, but I think most of these are. Then the thing is, it's not a funded account generally by the employer. It's just the employer promises to pay you later. And if the employer goes bankrupt, you don't get that money. So that is the risk. And the younger you are, the more you give pause, I think. Right. Um, but on the other hand, if you're going to retire or semi-retire, maybe that works and you get your five or 10 year payout and just do it that way. No, I agree with you 100% if it's a deferred comp plan. Because yeah. you have to elect what you're going to put in the deferred comp plan a year in advance of, you know, even the money going in. And then you elect your payment of what's going to come out five or 10 years from now. Right. Right. But this could be a plan that works very similar to an IRA. I mean, to a 403B, where if he wants to roll that money into an IRA, he could potentially. I don't know. I don't know exactly what the plan doc is. Sometimes people call retirement plans all sorts of different things. So. Sure. Um, yeah, so it could it's, be one of the one or the other. And and even if it's non qualified, as I'm guessing it is, although I don't know for sure either without seeing it. But if I am correct, every single plan is different, <laughs> and so there's not a lot of ton of rules with the IRS on that. I mean, you have to have some kind of plan document and some kind of distribution plan. But anyway, I guess the main answer is take a look at the plan, see what you have. And just be aware that if it, if it's what I think it is, a non-qualified deferred plan, it, you are subject to losing it if the entity, in this case, nonprofit entity, goes bankrupt. All right. Hopefully that helps. One of us knows what we're talking about. The other one is probably clueless. <laughs> you, you're going to have to guess on who that is. Before you make any big retirement decisions, talk to someone who actually does their homework. Schedule a free financial assessment with one of the experienced financial professionals on Joan Bigel's team at Pure Financial Advisors. They will take a deep dive into your entire financial picture rather than just spitballing on the fly. From Roth conversions and tax planning to social security optimization and investment management, they'll uncover all the best strategies for your situation. And they won't try to sell you any products or charge you commissions because they're fee-only fiduciaries who have to act in your best interest, not theirs. Meet in person at one of Pure's seven offices in Southern California, Seattle, Denver, or Chicago, or via Zoom right from your couch. Schedule your free assessment right now. All you have to do is click the link in the description of today's episode in your favorite podcast app, go to the show notes, then click the Get an Assessment button and pick a date and time that works for you. All right, uh, let's move on. Let's go to Judy. Important stuff. I'm 72. Drive a 2015 Subaru wagon. Drink iced tea. But I cook with wine. Okay. I cook with iced tea. 
<laughs> drink the I, wine. I knew you were going to say that. If you have iced tea, you'll just cook with it. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got one mutt dog, two fuzzy cats. I have a pension that covers my living expenses. I have $150,000 in a Roth. Thank you. Been doing conversions in a small brokerage account, about $25,000. I have $440,000 in an IRA, and I'm starting to take my required minimum distribution soon. So, what do I do with the RMD? I'll give some QCDs. So, that's a qualified charitable deduction. And think I'll have between twenty-five and thirty thousand to invest. I'm thinking treasury bills or municipal bonds, as they are not taxed by the state and seem safe for the long term. Do you have any guidelines as to what to look as the economy changes? Or is there any guideline for splitting between bonds and stocks? Thank you for your spitballs, humor, and being honest about what you know and what you don't. The knowledge you show off the top of your head is impressive. Wow. That must that must be the part that we know, or at least we think we know. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know much. <laughs> we, we always qualify it. Anytime there's a legal question, we're just kind of stabbing in the dark. Um, okay. Interesting. So she's got an RMD. She's going to give some of it to charity. And then she's thinking about, all right, well, I have this other dollars. What do I do with it? Yeah. So by the way, qualified charitable distribution, once once you're over 70 and a half, you're allowed to give money directly out of your IRA to charity. So it doesn't show us up as income on your tax return, it doesn't show up as a deduction either, but you avoid the income altogether, which is beneficial for a whole variety of reasons, which I won't explain right now. But that's what that is. Uh, once you are RMD age, you can do, you can have it count for your RMD and it can be as much as a hundred thousand dollars if you want. So I guess my question to Judy is, is that, you know, it's interesting. People have, if it's in a retirement account, they feel comfortable investing. You know what I mean? Yeah. I got a 401k. I got mutual funds. I got stocks. I got, you know, I'm just picking and choosing. And then as soon as that money is out of the retirement account, it's like, oh my God, what the hell do I do with this? Yeah. I think that's common because now all of a sudden they have access to it and they, they don't want to lose it. Right. Right. It's like it feels closer to them or something. It's not in this shell of a right. 1K like it's, uh, you know, in some sort of tomb. Judy, you can invest the same thing that you are right now in your 401K. I mean, if you like the investments that you're currently in, why not have the same strategy? She doesn't necessarily need the money. I mean, we could get into the tax implications of things, um, you know, and there's asset location and there's certain sophistication we could get into off the top of our head. but. Sure. Money outside of a retirement account is the is same as money in, inside of a retirement account. I don't think, like, is she investing in T-bills in her 401k? I doubt it. Yeah, probably not. Now, it, of course, if she ha- needs access to it, then that's a different thing. But she hasn't said that she does. She says I think her, that, her pension covers her fixed income. Yeah. Well, you never know whether she's going to have something special that she wants to do, like go on a vacation, sure, sure. buy a boat, <laughs> buy a cabin in the mountains. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's the same money, whether it's inside or outside of your retirement plan. That the the how you figure out what to invest in is based upon what your goals are, what you want to have happen with the money, what sort of rate of return that you need to meet with your goals, right? So that's you don't really think of these in silos. In other words, you don't have one investment strategy for your your non-retirement assets and a different one. You kind of look at these collectively, figure out how you should invest for to get the rate of return that you want. Then once you figure that out, now you actually can 
pick and choose, right? You might, if you got Roth IRA, you might want to put your stocks in there because stocks grow more than bonds over the long term and they're tax-free, by the way. Uh, and you may, you might want to put your safer money in your IRAs because if they grow there, then you're just going to have to pay more ordinary income taxes. That That's asset location. But but the I think the question is, what should I invest in? And the answer is, you have to look at this globally with everything to figure out what, what, what investments are appropriate for you based upon what your goals are. You don't have to sell the investment in an RMD. You could take the investment out of the retirement account and put it into a brokerage account. So if you like the mutual funds that you currently have in the IRA, you don't have to sell it and reinvest it, first off. So just take a distribution and put it in your brokerage account. Or if you think, hey, I want to be a little bit more, uh, because she's she's asking us questions about timing the markets too. It's like, well, what yeah, do you think is. about the economy? What? So already she's she's thinking that she wants to have a different strategy with this money. And I think what you and I are both saying, maybe in a different way, is that you have to have one strategy based on the assets that you have, no matter what account it's in, and make sure that you invest it globally. Yeah, no, that that's exactly right. And and I guess to kind of take on that second question, which you've already alluded to, to it doesn't really matter what the market is. You got to look at what your goals are, what rate of return you need to decide what the allocation should be in good markets and bad, right? And and if you need a 5% rate of return, then don't shoot for a 10% rate of return. It's just going to be a lot more volatile than you need. So have the most conservative investment portfolio possible to meet your goals. And then you're, you're well set up for good markets and bad markets. Bad markets indeed. The financial headlines lately can be pretty concerning. Is the U.S. about to breach the debt ceiling limit? What does that mean for the value of the dollar? Are we headed into a recession? If you're anxious about the impacts these frightening events could have on the economy and on your money, you need to check out today's podcast show notes. We've got new free resources by Pure Financial Advisors Executive Vice President and Chief Investment Officer Brian Perry, CFP, CFA, that'll help you ignore the hype and put recessions, the debt ceiling, and the dollar into practical context. Click the link in the description of today's episode in your favorite podcast app to check out these helpful free resources in the podcast show notes just before the transcript. Then if you've got more money questions, click Ask Joanna on air there in the podcast show notes and send them on in via voice message or via email. You want to go with zero coupon, man? Sure. All right. <laughs> uh, we got Jimmy calling in again. Uh, he's got a question for the team on Irma and how it's applied to zero coupon municipal bonds. Uh, let's say I'm 55. So is that a, is that for real or maybe not? I don't know. Let's <laughs> just hypothetically, I'm 55. Okay. <laughs> well, if I were, if I, I mean, and he's talking about Irma, which is 10 years from now. Yeah. Right. Got it. Okay. And I buy today a newly issued California Zero Coupon Bond with a 20 year maturity. All right, so now I know where he's going with this. <laughs> also right. assume I hold it till maturity and redeem it when I'm age 75. What happens when I reach 65 and I go on Medicare? I understand Irma requires me to add back the imputed municipal bond interest, but when and how much? That, that's enough. That's enough. Because <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, then he breaks it down in like 15 different sets. We could do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is Jimmy. Do we think we might even know Jimmy. I don't know. I don't he, know Jimmy. <laughs> well, anyway, so Jimmy, so here's the way that this works. It's a it's a fairly complex calculation, but the but yes. Yeah, so when you buy a zero coupon bond, let's just say you buy a ten thousand dollar bond, 
and that pays zero coupon interest, which means you don't actually get it currently. But the way that you make profit is you pay $5,000 for a future $10,000 bond or whatever the numbers are, it doesn't matter. So in that particular case, you invest $5,000 in whatever period of time in the future, you get 10,000 back. So that extra 5,000 that you got, that's interest. And what the IRS thinks of it is uh, is called imputed interest, which means imputed interest means even though I didn't really get it, I've got to pay taxes on it. Now, in this case, it's tax-free municipal bond. But when it comes to Irma, you got to look at modified adjusted gross yeah, income. Yeah, income-related monthly adjustment amount. I always have to write it down because I always forget exactly what that stands for. But what it means is depending upon what your your modified adjusted gross income for purposes of Medicare, there's all kinds of different ones, which you have to add back your tax-free interest, among other things. Uh, you've got to figure out your imputed interest on that bond in every in that year to figure out what your you know what what the modified adjusted gross income is, which then determines how much you pay for your Medicare payments starting at age sixty five. Usually, the brokerage firms calculate that for you and put it on your ten ninety nine. Uh, but essentially, it's kind of like that extra five thousand dollars of interest income. You have to take a piece of that each year, and it's not the same each year which makes it way more complicated <laughs> but yeah you got to add it in year by year by year by year and in this particular case what the what your irma is in when you're age 63 yeah yeah because you do a two-year look back affects your age 65 when you start medicare so that's that's the quick answer if you want to learn how to do imputed interest then have fun <laughs> i'll just put it that way so it's a, it's an algebraic calculation with it, the exponents and <laughs> so to, to dumb this down just a bit so a, yeah. a normal bond is a loan so let's say $10,000 I'm going to invest in a bond or I'm going to loan it to an individual or a corporation or whatever and I'm going to receive interest for that so maybe I get 5% interest and I'm going to receive that interest payment each year and at the end of the term of the loan I get my $10,000 back yeah that's the norm right a zero coupon bond is that there's no coupon, there's no interest payment. So it's basically I'm buying that five thousand or I'm buying a ten thousand dollar bond that matures in ten years, but I'm only paying five thousand dollars for it. Right. So at the end of so I'm I'm not receiving any interest payments, but at the end of the ten years, then it comes to maturity. But then it grew to that five thousand, and then that's where this whole imputed interest comes about. So thanks, Jimmy, for that wonderful question. It's just so stimulating. <laughs> we got uh, Mark from Burke, Berkey, Virginia. Burke. 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 Never heard of Burke. Good day, Joe, Al, Andy. I'm from San Diego, but it's Burke, VA. That's what it claimed. Okay. But he's from San Diego. He's from San Diego. Maybe originally. Born and raised. Yeah. With a brief three year stint as a kid in Bermidji. Wow. You know where that is? I do know where Bermidji is. In Minnesota. Uh-huh. Don't you know? <laughs> uh, where my dad coached at BSU. Okay. Huh. Very interesting. Marine Corps career moved me all over and ended up in Northern Virginia. Oh, that's where he's at, Burke. Yeah. Some quick details. Retired from USMC. After 25 years and now working for the federal government to support the Marines in the D.C. area. Driving a Volvo S40. T5, 2009. Married, two kids, grown, out of the house. Bourbon. <laughs> Love it. Moving on. 
All right. I have social que- uh, security question for you. My sister was widowed 11 years ago. She's now 62. She is still working. Doesn't plan to retire until 67, at which time she will draw her own social security benefit. Is she eligible now to apply and draw social security under her husband's name as a survivor benefit until she begins drawing her own at age 67? Thanks for the podcast. Been listening for six years now. Wow. Semper Fi, Mark. Six years. That's a long time to listen to our show. Wow, Mark. Thank you. <laughs> long time listener. You don't need that to. Since like before me. Oh, wow. That's a long time. Yeah. Well, we've been doing it for 15. 15. Yep. <laughs> so you, so you missed the first yeah, 10. You missed that, the first 10, that, Mark. Those were practice. Like, go to the archives. <laughs> oh, God. That's a long time. Um. Okay. So you could claim a survivor benefit. Yeah. As early as 60. Correct. But there's an income phase out. Yeah. So she's working. Yeah. I'm guessing she won't get to keep any of it. Right? right. Until she gets to full retirement age, which at that point looks like she's going to collect her own anyway. Correct. So, yeah, she's eligible for the survivor benefit, but it's the same phase out. If you have earned income, if you're working and you're cl- collecting Social Security benefit for every couple of dollars that you make, they take a buck back and so on and so forth. So, yeah, and that starts at about 20,000 of income. The first 20,000 ish, you get to keep you get to keep all the Social Security. But once you make more than that, you start giving it back. Yeah. So it depends on how much money that your sister's making. But the old rules is sure. I mean, uh, well, if, if if she wasn't working at all, she could claim the survivor benefit and yeah. f- switch back so, to her own, depending yeah, yeah. on which is the higher benefit and vice versa. So you, mm-hmm. uh, we would just have to look at the numbers. What is the the survivor benefit? What's her benefit going to look like? You know, how long does she really want to work? Um, what is her other assets? And then is it possible for her to retire maybe a little bit earlier, uh, given the fact that she does have a survivor benefit that she could draw a little bit of cash flow from. Yeah, but, that, that's a good point. So so maybe, <clears throat> excuse me, maybe she could and still be fine. But um, if you do take it early, also, it's going to reduce your future benefit as well. Yeah. So, okay. Hopefully that answers your question. All right. Sure. Here's a question for you. Hello, please. LOL. <laughs> Is signing up for Social Security just pretty much straightforward? <laughs> I love this one. <laughs> yeah. What, what the hell kind of questions that? Uh, well, here, here's help, please. Here's so he's drowning in the Social Security help. So <laughs> go online, type in ssa.gov. That's the Social Security website. They've got all kinds of resources on how to sign up, or just call them. Just call them, or go to the office, right? And and it's uh, is it straightforward? Yes, but. There's nuances. There's lots of nuances that you you need to be educated or you need to find someone that can help you. All right. Well, I think that's it for us. Thanks, Andy. Another wonderful job. Thank you. All right, Al. We'll see you uh, next week and uh, we'll see everyone else the same time I see Big Al. So have a wonderful week, everyone. We'll see you next time. Al's back in Hawaii, bartending with Zeke and minivans in California in the derails. So stick around. Help new listeners find YMYW by leaving your honest ratings and reviews for Your Money, Your Wealth in Apple Podcasts and any other podcast app that accepts them. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial. 
financial advisors. Click the Get an Assessment button in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com or call 888-994-6257 to schedule your free financial assessment in person at one of our seven offices around the country or online at a date and time convenient for you no matter where you are. Chances are one of the experienced financial professionals at Pure will be able to identify strategies to help you create a more successful retirement. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. Uh, Al's in Hawaii again. <laughs> that's that's why I'm happy. Yeah. You got <laughs> now you, my, my ties. Well, you, see, see, you never know whether I've had one or not. Oh, well, so you'll... you'll We'll find out after a couple of questions. You'll find out is right. Subarus. Subarus. Yeah. Zeke. In a long time. I used to bartend back in Gainesville, Florida with a guy named Zeke. Uh, no kidding. Yeah. I don't think I've ever known a Zeke. So mm-hmm. you're ahead of me. Yeah. Toyota Sienna. Minivan. I haven't seen a lot of minivans lately. Uh, they're less popular than they used to be. I think that was my era when they, when the kids were playing soccer. Now you like the, you get the Tahoe, right? Or, yeah, they uh, no one wants no one wants to be seen in a minivan anymore. They're making them in 2023. Really? Well, yeah. Well, I know I know they still make them, but I'm just well at least in, in Southern California you don't see them that much. Yeah, we're and, we're just way too pretentious here, I guess. We're, <laughs> yeah, we, that's that true statement. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, the minivan's easier to get in and out of, right? When you got to, you know. It is. And some of those have automatic doors on both sides. It couldn't be easier. 